We're going to turn once again to the third chapter of John's Gospel. And I'd like tonight to direct your attention to the words of our Lord Jesus to Nicodemus. And the first seven in particular. Jesus said to Nicodemus, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. And I want to take those words of our Savior to Nicodemus, ye must be born again. Now these words are very familiar to us, no doubt. They're used continually in evangelical circles. People talk about being born again. And we're very, very familiar with this text of Scripture and this subject. But sadly, I feel that many, while they use these words and express these words and make claim to be born again, do not necessarily seem to understand or see what is involved in being born again. I remember whenever I was over in Sainsville, Ohio, in the United States, I was doing a week of meetings there in a fundamentalist Baptist church. For Dr. Geiler, it was not his church, but it was associated with his church. And I was preaching over there. And at the end of one of the meetings, well, there were many people who came forward to accept the Lord as their Savior. We had a wonderful visitation from on high. But amongst them, there was a young lady who came forward. Now, this young lady was born into that congregation. She grew up in the congregation. Children's meetings, Sunday school, youth fellowship meetings and even the Christian school. And she came forward and the pastor of the church said to her, what are you coming forward for? And she says, I'm coming forward to get saved. Well, he said to her, but I thought you were saved. And she said, so did I. But I just preached on the new birth. And she says, I thought I was saved too. But she says, I don't have what Pastor Whitechide was talking about. She was a stranger to the new birth. She had made a profession of a sorts, but had known no change of heart, no change of life, no miraculous birth. And then, of course, on another occasion at home here in, in the church, I preached again on this subject, so I preach on it brief and often, because I feel it's needful and necessary. But an office bearer, a deacon in the church, came to me after the meeting, quietly. And I said, what's the matter, brother? What can I do for you? He says, I need to get saved. I says, you need to get saved. I says, you're a deacon, you're a... You're an office bearer in this church. You're supposed to be saved before you get elected to that office. Well, he said, I thought I was saved. 
I said, well, tell me what made you think you were saved and what makes you now think that you're not saved. He says, well, he says, I, I went to a mission one time and I stayed behind and I talked to the minister, the preacher, and he, he just gave me a verse and he said, take that home and read it. And he says, I did that. And I thought that saved me. He had no understanding of what it was to be born again, to be truly saved. But he says, I don't have what you were talking about tonight. I don't have that experience of a new birth. I'm glad to say that on both occasions, both those people that I've mentioned and referred to came to know the Lord Jesus as their saviour and experienced the new birth. So it, these are words that are used by many and they don't seem to understand what is meant by being born again. They make a profession and they go out into the world and they live as they always have lived. There's no change of life, no change of lifestyle. They're just the same person, but they've made a profession for whatever reason. Probably they're afraid to go to hell. They don't really want to go to heaven, but they don't want to go to hell. And so they make this profession, so they get a ticket, as it were, to heaven and they put it in their backpack pocket so that whenever they come to the end of life's journey and they depart this life, they'll be able to produce this ticket and say, well, I got saved on such and such a date and expect heaven's doors to open to them when there was no reality to their profession of faith. No, my dear friend, there's much more to being saved than to being a born-again Christian and a mere profession without any change of life or heart or nature. We must be born again. And these are the words of our Saviour. He said to Nicodemus, very definite, ye must be born again. You, Nicodemus, this religious man, this leader of the Jews, said, you need to be born again. Ye must be born again. And what's more, Nicodemus, if you're not born again, you'll not see the kingdom of heaven. You'll never be in it. You'll have no part in it. You must be born again. You see, dear friends, this new birth is an absolute necessity. It's a necessity. Everybody needs to be born again. It's a universal need. All men without exception need to be born again. For all have sinned, the Bible says, and come short of the glory of God. We are born in sin. We are shaped in iniquity. We have sinful hearts, sinful natures. And we need a new nature. We need to be made anew. We need to be created anew. We need to be born again. As that term indicates, we need to be regenerated. And if we are not, we will never see the kingdom of heaven. The apostle tells us that if we die in an unconverted state, then we will be lost. The apostle Paul says, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men. Now that word, 
Death there does not just relate to physical death, and of course it includes that, there would be no physical death if there was not sin by one man, sin entered into the world, by Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. If Adam hadn't sinned, he wouldn't have died physically. And we wouldn't have died physically if sin hadn't entered into the world. And because of sin, we're all going to die. I don't think anyone here is going to argue with us uh, about that tonight. We all accept that. That we're going to die. We're going to come to the end of life's journey. Sooner or later. It may be later. I was at a dear lady's birthday party the other week. And she was 100 years of age. <laughs> and she's still going. She hasn't reached the end of the journey. But then there was another lady who used to come to our church in Bambridge. And she told me that when she was born, the doctors only gave her a few months to live. Said to her parents, well, she'll not live more than three or four months. And she died a little while ago at 101. Did the doctors ever get it wrong there? But though you may live to your 100, I hope you do, you may live beyond that. But sooner or later you will die. Read through the early chapters of Genesis and you'll find that though they lived for great ages, hundreds of years, at the end of the day they all died and we're all going to die and you're going to die. And you don't know when you're going to die. You may live for 100 years, but you could die tonight. You don't have to be old to die. Just a few weeks ago, we buried a young nephew, and he's only in his early 50s. And of course, I have conducted funerals for much younger people than that. So you're going to die, and you need to realize that, you need to take hold of that, and you need to be ready when your hour comes, for come it will. And you need to be born again, if you're going to be ready. But when the apostle speaks of death here, he's not just speaking of physical death, he's speaking of spiritual death. When we're born into this world, we're born spiritually dead. No spiritual life within us. Incapable of communion and fellowship with God. We're spiritually dead. So Paul tells it again in Ephesians chapter 2. You had a quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. And so we are dead spiritually. And if we are not born again, we will die eternally. So this is very necessary. It's something that is needful, and it's needful by all men, all people. If we are to enter into heaven at last, we must be born again. And it's not only a universal need, but it's a particular need. It doesn't matter what else we have. If we don't have the new birth, we'll still not get into heaven. We may have a lot of good things, a lot of good qualities, we might be very honest, decent people, good neighbors, good husbands, good wives, good children. We may be all these things, good churchgoer. 
We may be a very religious person. Nobody was more religious than Nicodemus. He was a teacher of the Jews. He was a master in Israel. He knew the Bible, the Old Testament, from back to front. He studied it all his life. He was very religious. He observed many religious ceremonies and all the rest of it. Special garb, special dress, fasting, prayers, and all the rest of it. But Jesus says, you must be born again. You see, you can have all these things, but if you don't have the new birth, you'll never enter heaven. This is something you need. It's a universal need. It is a particular need, and it is a personal need. It's a personal need. It's something you need individually and personally. You're not going to get into heaven on a profession of your mother or your father or some relative or friend because you're related to some Christian or because you grew up in a Christian home and you were surrounded by Christian born-again people. You need to be born again personally. Individually. Nicodemus was related to Abraham. He descended from Abraham. He was an Israelite. But that relationship didn't count when it comes to getting into the kingdom of heaven. He needed to be born again. And it's not only a universal need, and it's not only a particular need, and it's not only a personal need, but it's a very real need. Because we are talking about something spiritual, therefore we cannot see it with our eyes. Don't imagine that it's not real. It is a real need. It's a very real thing. The new birth is a very real thing. Though we can't see it, there are many things that we can't see, but they're real. You can't see the wind, but we know that the wind is real because we see the effects of the, the wind. We know gravity is real. I discovered that a few weeks ago when I was supposed to be up in Kilkeel. I went up to cut my garden and my wife said to me, don't go up there, Billy. Don't go up there. It's wet, it's wet. Well, I said, I need to get the last cut. And you see, my garden is uh, tiered. <laughs> and there's a five-foot restraining wall and I had to go up that. But I had steps up. She said, don't you go up. But I didn't listen to her. I have to get it done. You know why we men never listen to what we're told. We think we know best. I scurried up. I scurried up and I slipped down. I came down the steps. I fell on my back and I was incapacitated for some, some time. I couldn't, I was supposed to preach in Kilkeel and I couldn't do it. So uh, I fell, but there you go. I discovered the reality of gravity very quickly. And no, this spiritual rebirth is invisible, it's genuine, it's real, it's something you need and something you cannot get into heaven without. But what is this new birth? What is it to be born again? What's the nature of this birth? Well, we can look at it uh, both negatively and then positively. Negatively, 
Uh, the new birth is not mere outward reformation. It is not just a matter of turning over a new leaf. It is not giving up sinful habits. Now that's all very good. But it's not regeneration and it's not a new birth. Reformation is not a new birth and many people imagine it is. They come to some sort of a crisis in their lives. They say, well, I better start going to church. I better start saying my prayers. I better start reading my Bible. I start, better start living a clean, pure life. Get my act in order. And they think that's a new birth. It's not. No, no, no. Reformation is not regeneration. And neither is being outwardly religious regeneration. As we have said, Nicodemus was a most religious man, but he needed to be born again. And you may never miss a service in this church. You may be a very faithful uh, member, congregational member at any rate. You may give in faithfully. You may attend all the special meetings. But that's not sufficient. That's not the new birth. What is the new birth then? The new birth is the work of God, the Holy Spirit, in the heart. It's an inward work. It's a renewal of the heart and the inner life. It is to receive spiritual life. It is to receive a new heart. It is to have a right spirit created within us. That's what God says. A new heart will I give thee, and the right spirit will I renew within you. So it's an internal thing. It's a change of the heart, a change of the nature. We become a new creature, a new creation. Old things pass away, and all things become new. I remember whenever I just got saved, I was only a young man and not long married and my young wife wasn't converted at this, this time. The Lord saved her a year after he saved me, but anyway, uh, the place where she worked had a, a dinner dance and of course she was going to go to it and she wanted me to go with her, so I went with her, enjoyed the dinner but didn't enjoy the dance. It's not dancing anyway. I had jitterbugging about and shaking all over the place. But I used to enjoy those as a young man. But I stopped in the middle of that dance floor. And Hazel said to me, do you want to go home? I said, I do, dear. This is not for me. Not for me. Old things passed away. I never put my foot in another one of those places in over, well, near 50 years now. As a change takes place, inwardly, you see things differently. You love things that you had no time for before. I didn't go to prayer meetings. I didn't enjoy prayer meetings, or spiritual things in particular. wasn't a bad person, but I didn't particularly enjoy that. And the things which I did enjoy, which were of this world and carnal and sinful, I had no time for them anymore. There was a change. 
And there's a change wrought in the heart by the Holy Spirit of God. It's a work of the Spirit of God. Working mysteriously. We cannot explain how he does that. That's what the Lord says. Well, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, canst not tell whence it cometh and whether it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. We don't know how he does it. It's a mystery. But nevertheless, it is a very real renewing of the heart and soul. It's the imparting of spiritual life. It changes us. When God saves a sinner, he doesn't leave them the way he finds them. There's a principle of holiness and love that is for the things of God that is created within him or her. A process of being made holy. Now it takes a long time. It doesn't mean perfection. It doesn't mean we're perfect. We won't be perfect if we get home to glory. It's a lifelong process of sanctification and being made holy. But nevertheless, it begins when we're saved and we're born again. What are the effects of regeneration in the soul? Well, for one thing, conviction of sin. Now, it is possible to be convicted of sin and not be born again. But it is impossible to be born again and not be convicted of sin. If you've never come to a realization that you're a sinner, lost, undone, condemned, and guilty before God and on your way to hell, if you've never realized that, then you haven't experienced a new birth. Because as soon as you experience a new birth, you only experience conviction comes with this. A realization that you're a sinner. A realization of your lost condition before God. And your need of a savior. And so this is the outcome of the new birth. This work that the Holy Spirit works within us. He convicts us of sin. And not only so, but he enlightens us in the knowledge of Christ. The Lord Jesus said to the scribes and Pharisees of his day, Ye neither know me nor my Father. And again we read that he says, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. It's a saving knowledge of Christ. It's conviction of sin, the realization of your lost condition, and your realization of a need of salvation, and deliverance from sin, and deliverance from hell, and deliverance from the power of Satan. And it is seeing Christ as the only saviour of sinners. Your only hope. And it is a fleeing to him. A coming to him. A looking to him. For salvation. Have you done that? Do you realise you're a sinner? Do you realise if you die in your sin you'll be lost in a lost sinner's hell? You feel that conviction of sin? Do you see that Christ is the only hope you have? Have you fled to him for refuge? These are some of the effects of regeneration and the new birth. Produces conviction of sin. It produces produces an enlightenment in the knowledge of Christ 
as our Savior and as our Lord. And it leads to us coming to him to obtain this life and this forgiveness of sins and this salvation which he alone. And it also produces faith in Christ. So we come, we look to him with the eyes of faith. We trust him as our saviour. I remember not so very far from here being called out to a home in the middle of the night where a gentleman was on his deathbed. And I went out and I was talking um, to the relatives and friends and that night the man passed away. Sorry, I got the wrong way round. It was his wife passed away. She was a Christian and I was witnessing to the man and his daughter turned around and said to me, what about me, Mr. Whiteside? What about me? How can I be saved? I said, well, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. She says, but I did that. Did that a whole lot of times and nothing happened. Oh, I said, oh, so you're saying the Lord's a liar. Sort of shocked her. She says, I said no such thing. I said, well, think about it, dear. The Lord says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you tell me you called and he didn't save you. She says, That's right. Well, I said, He didn't. Because you didn't call in faith. It's not so much even the calling, it's the believing. You must take him at his word that he will do as he said he would do. Oh, she says, I see it now. So she got down at the bedside of her dying mother and she prayed and she got up. And I says, well, she says, I'm saved. I says, what makes you say you're saved? She says, I asked the Lord, I called upon the name of the Lord and he said he would save me. But I said, you told me you did that a whole lot of times and he didn't bother. Ah, but she says, this time I took him at his word. I says, you've got it now, dear. It's not so much our tears of repentance or prayers. It's the blood that atones for the soul. And it's faith in that blood and faith in Christ, faith in him as our saviour. These are some of the effects of the new birth. And of course, this new birth, it evidences itself within the life. It leads to holiness of life. As I said earlier, a principle of holiness, we're not only clothed in the righteousness of Christ, and we are, but there's a principle of holiness uh, imparted to us so that we begin to be holy day by day, seeking to live for God, seeking to please God, seeking to do what's right before God, as God reveals to us our need. Regeneration is not, our reformation is not regeneration, but regeneration does produce reformation. It leads us to turn away from our sin and to turn on to God. Now, my friend, if you're, you're like the young lady, uh, I was, again, I was called out to, that's the thing about having a long life and a long ministry. You get all these experiences. There was a young lady and she was in the hospital. She thought she was going to die. And she was living in an immoral relationship. She was living with another woman's husband. And she had no intention of giving that up. But you see, she thought she was going to die. When I went into the hospital, the tears rolled down her cheeks. And the first thing she said to me, she says, Mr. Whitehead, Mr. Whitehead, if you're saved, can you be lost? 
I says, no dear, if you're saved, you cannot be lost. You see, she had made a profession when she was a wee girl. And she was clinging to that profession. But she was living in immorality and sin and wasn't going to give it up. But I said, that's not the question you need to ask, dear. The question you need to ask is, were you ever saved? So let's find out if you were saved. And I turned to Romans and Paul says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. That brought a smile to her face. But I said, who are those who are in Christ Jesus for whom there's no condemnation? They are those who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit, Paul says. And I said, now young woman, are you walking after the flesh? Are you walking after the spirit? Are you led and guided in your life and your behavior and your conduct by the Holy Spirit of God? Are you seeking after holiness? Are you happy in your sin? And she was happy in her sin, seemingly. She didn't want to give this man up. And I says, you have no grounds to hope that you were ever born again. The only hope, the only evidence of a new birth is a changed life. God never saves somebody and leaves them away, finds them. He changes them. Has there been a change in your life? Do you know this rebirth, this new birth? Has you been made anew, a new creature, a new creation? If you're living as you've always lived, living for the world, living for sin, enjoying sinful pleasures, having no real pleasure in the things of God, but keeping up a sort of a profession in the hope that you'll get into heaven afterwards, making a plausible profession before men, but without any change of heart. Then, my friend, I tell you now, and you're better hearing it now than on the day of judgment or on the day when you pass out of this scene of time into the presence of God. For Jesus tells us that on that day there will be many that will say to him, Lord, Lord, we preached in your name, we prophesied in your name, we cast our devils in your name. And Jesus is going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. They had many things, but they didn't have a new birth. You must be born again. What are the sweet fruits and benefits of the new birth? Well, for one thing, justification. The person who is born again is justified from all sin in the sight of God, declared not guilty of any crime or wrongdoing against God, perfectly innocent in God's sight. Justification. Reconciliation to God through the precious blood of Christ. Adoption into the family of God. And we're able to cry, Abba, Father, because we're born of God. That's the new birth is. We're born of God. And so we can cry, Abba, Father. Preservation from sin and from the world and from the devil. Salvation and glorification. All these are the benefits of the new birth. Man, it's a wonderful thing to be born again. Because when you're born again, all your sins are forgiven. God looks upon you as in Christ. He does, sees no fault or failure or flaw in you. You're clothed in the perfect righteousness of Christ. You are no longer a foreigner, stranger to God. God's no longer angry with you. You're reconciled to God through the blood of his precious son. You are brought into his family. And he's a father unto you. You're delivered from sin and hell. 
and condemnation and wrath. And you were brought at last when life's over to that land that is fairer than day. Into the very presence of God to be with him for all eternity. I love the words of our Savior in John 14. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And I'm glad to know as I get older, as the years roll by, as the bodily, physical frame begins to weaken, and I know, I know that we can't go much longer. I'm glad and when I close my eyes in death, he'll be there to receive me unto himself, to bring me to the Father's house, where he is, there I may be also. And where Jesus is, there's heaven there. These are the sweet benefits and fruits of the new birth. Well, you say, how do I get this new birth? Since it's the work of the Holy Spirit, it's nothing I can do in order to obtain it in the sense I cannot make myself renew. I cannot cause myself to be born again. That is something God must do for me. Do I just sit around until God does it and hope that one of these days something wonderful, miraculous will happen to me and I'll be born again? No, I believe that we can obtain this by simply asking for it. Simply asking for it. If you look at chapter 4 of John's Gospel, and you have there the story of the woman at the well. You remember how Jesus sat on the edge of the well, and this woman came out to draw water, and he, he said to her, Give me to drink. And uh, he then said to her later on, after a conversation, he said, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. What is this gift of God? What is this living water? Is it not the new birth? Is it not the new life? Is it not the life of God in the soul? Is it not the new creation? That's what he gives us, his salvation. So how do we get it? We don't earn it, we don't merit it, we don't work for it, we can't create it ourselves, but we come and ask for it. We can cry unto God. God be merciful to me, a sinner. Oh God, create me in you. Make me a new creature in Christ. We can't do it. God can do it. And God says he will do it if we ask him. You ask me and I'll give you living water. You ask me and I'll give you the gift of God. What is the gift of God? It's eternal life, it's salvation and the new birth is involved in all that. You cannot have these other things without the new birth. So the new birth is involved in it. Ask him. Come with a penitent heart. Bow before him. Confess your sin. Tell him you need. You know you need to be born again. You need to be saved. And ask him to give you this gift, this water of life this new birth and then trust him to do what he says he will do.
And I'll tell you if you sincerely and honestly seek him, it shall be done. And you shall pass from death unto life. You'll be born again. And you will at last enter into the kingdom of God. I trust that you will do so. I've tried to be clear tonight. Not clever. An old preacher once said to a bunch of us young fellows, Boys, don't try to be clever when you're preaching. Always try to be clear. I took that on board. I don't know how much I've succeeded. You can answer that question. But I've not tried to be clever. Try to be clear. Do you understand now that you must be born again? Not merely say a prayer. Not merely make a profession to which there is no substance. But have you had this change of heart, this change of life? Are you a new creature, a new creation in Christ? Has old things passed away? Has all things become new? Are you living for God, seeking after holiness? If not, will you not seek him for it? Ask him to give you this. Ask in faith. Ask in sincerity of heart. In true repentance and faith. And he will grant it to you. We haven't been clear. If you're confused in any point, well, I'm here for you. If I can answer your questions, I'd be glad to do so. Please stay behind and have a word with us. May God bless you and may God see you.